Uh, I'm going to do a bit of a sum up of Peter. We've come to the end of our series. Uh, I, I wish we had more time in the book. Like 1 Peter is such a powerful book. It's written to Christians who are going through a tough time. It was written to Christians who are questioning the world and, and where is God in the world. I think it's got a lot to say and I encourage you to go back to it as a church and, and read it too. Uh, but I'm going to do a bit of a sum up of things that you maybe you've missed or things that I want you to hear. Some of it you'll have heard before, uh, but these are things that are on my heart as a pastor. But before we start, here's a question for you and do chat to those around you. The question is this, and I know this is similar to a question that some of you may have covered in small groups or even here. You wake up to news reports that aggressive packs of lions are rampant in this area. They attack on sight, have figured out how to open cars and doors, they kill anyone they catch, and the government have said they cannot be stopped. We have been told to live aware of their threat. How would your life look different? How would you live differently? What would be your priorities? Okay, um, what would be your priorities? How would life look differently? Um, I'm going to say at this point, you do not have access to firearms. Yes, I know some of you are thinking that already. I know you... Yeah, did you hear that? That was... Oh, I was going to go hunting. My wife will finally be proud of me. But uh, if you could have a, just a chat, how would life look different? These are, these are lines that are, are tricksy. They're, they're powerful. Uh, they're rampant. How would life look different? What would your priorities be in this hellhole apocalyptic picture okay don't overthink it don't ask where the lions have come from okay they're wild lions they've learned how to open doors how would life look different have a chat together okay okay let's hear some ideas let's hear some ideas let's hear some ideas how what would you do how would life look different yeah lion tamer you'd become a lion tamer Oh, you'd send in a lion tamer first. Do you know any lion tamers? You could use the yellow pages. Okay, so, so it, it sounds a bit like you're going to try and find someone who knows what they're doing when it comes to lions and send them in first. Okay, it's uh, kind of helpful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Okay, yeah, yeah. Anne? Work together. Okay. Okay. Bows and arrows. Have you ever tried to take down a fully grown lion with a bow and arrow, Anne? I have. Got messy. <laughs> uh, but no, on a serious note, so, so gather together for protection, fashion some weapons, like actually protect ourselves and, and pray. Okay, interesting. Mark, at the back. <laughs> said, your wife said, send you out first. Well, as like food. <laughs> wow. <laughs> or, uh, wow. Mark. Oh, I can't hear you. Shout loud. To have him with you at all times to protect you. Okay. Mark heard that as to be bait. Okay, Andy. Shh, shh, shh. Fires burning. Okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, others? How do you... Yeah, B? Survival, protection. Yeah, 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 yeah. Any other thoughts? Freedom would be gone, so you'd have to really, yeah, sort of think about how you're spending your time and what you're doing. Um, Joseph? So think about what attracts the lions in, a bit like when you're in Alaska with bears, you sort of hide the food away. Yeah, yeah. Um, without overplaying it, did, did, oh, sorry, yeah, sorry, Ivy, yeah, thank you. You'd have a whip. Okay. Ivy, that doesn't surprise me, to be honest. 
I've seen the way you dance. Um, but you'd have, you'd have a personal protection whip. Okay. You'd have an air gun. Okay, okay. So, sh- sh- so, so listen, just really quickly. And, and this, did you catch in the reading that there are lions that are going around? You, you caught that, yeah? And I know it's kind of like a... But, but I want to challenge us, you know, um, when we think about the world and the way it is, and we see the brokenness and the hurt, it's not just accident. It doesn't just happen. But the Bible account is that there is uh, a, a sort of battle between good and evil going on, that, that, that Jesus triumphed on the cross, but that, that there is someone who takes joy in pain. Can you think how awful that is? There's someone who takes joy in pain, someone who takes joy in separating people from God, someone who takes joy in the death of innocence, in, in the curse that's now come on the world. Like, like, and, and this is not trying to be weird about it. I, I was asking this question thinking, I don't live like this. But, but spiritually, I want to send someone in who knows what they're doing. So, so spiritually for me as a believer, Jesus is the ultimate lion tamer. In the Bible, you know the story of Daniel? God just closes a lion's mouth because he can. Like in the Old Testament, like Jesus describes the lion of Judah. First and foremost, I want to send him in. I want to encourage you, if you're here today and you haven't said, I need a champion to go and fight for me, that's what Jesus wants to be for you. We, we gather together as community. We, we, we think about how we protect one another. That's what the church is for. That's what it's designed to be. We, we think about how we might fight back and what attracts things to us. Temptation. We take that really seriously, yeah? Like, like all the things we've talked about there, that there are things spiritually that we do. I mean, I'm interested, isn't it? I mean, if I lived in a world where people are being plucked away by rampant lions, I think I'd take evangelism more seriously. I'd want to tell people there is life after death, that that there's hope beyond the grave, because it wouldn't seem like it, would it? I I want us, church, to take seriously um, what 1 Peter says about this life, and, and not to be people who shrink back and are afraid. That's not what I'm trying to do. But to take this stuff seriously... You know, prayer is one of our weapons against the evil one. Like, prayer is, is something we can call on, a powerful God. Like, like to, to not just do it because we're told to, but to see it as this is a battle. Are you kind of with me? And it's hard, isn't it? Because this isn't about mustering it up. But, but, but I don't know. Um, and Claire, don't worry. Claire, it's not, Claire, she's not here. Good. I can say this. Okay. Right. Um, um, there was a time in my life where I was meeting with a personal trainer and I began to get chest pains. And uh, every time I did exercise, I got chest pains. And he was like, dude, you should go and check that out. Okay. And what did I do as a bloke? <laughs> Ignore it, yeah. It's, it's fine. It's fine. Okay. Then it got to the point where I was doing exercise with him and I got chest pains and then I got a bit tingly in the fingers. Okay. Uh, what did I do as a bloke? What's that? It's all right. Uh, ignore it, right? Yeah. Then it got to the point where I had chest pains, tingly fingers, and I was vomiting any time I exerted myself with Martin, the fitness trainer. This is all true. Some of you are looking very shocked. What did I do at that point? <laughs> no, no, even at that point, I was like, this is probably okay. It's just a bug, probably. Okay. Uh, then there was a point where I stood up and nearly fainted. What did I do then? I, I then went and just checked that I was okay. And I had some heart tests and various bits and pieces. And I'm fine. I've got a slight electrical abnormality from birth. It's a Q-wave abnormality. Um, it's fine. You take sin more seriously when you realise that it's a serious thing, right? Like, like the depth of your sort of taking it seriously will affect how much action you take. 
I want to encourage us as a church to take this stuff really seriously. Peter says we live in a world where there's someone going around like a roaring lion looking to destroy us in different ways. Does that make sense? You kind of with me? But I don't need to go away scared. We have a bigger lion. We have the ultimate lion tamer. We, we have one who has triumphed, but, but take it seriously. Just some things from 1 Peter 2 I want you to think about. Um, next slide, please. Um, there's a, a few things that, that Peter writes to us, which I think are really, really helpful. Uh, the first thing is that this is not our home. Uh, if you've got a Bible, could someone just read out for me 1 Peter 1 verse 1? And could someone else read 1 Peter 1 17? And the rest of you, maybe you could start looking at some of these passages, because I'm going to get you to call them out nice and loud. Is there someone who could just read uh, 1 1? So so exiles and elect, right? Exiles were people that are not in their home. They've been captured by a foreign power. They're living in a foreign land. But they have hope that one day they're going home. This is not our home. Um, I want to challenge you not to become too comfortable in this world. Because this is not our home. Uh, Teenagers, there is a pressure on you to fit in and look the same as everyone else. Do not do that. Do not do that. Adults, the same pressure too. And without shaming you all, I don't care about doing actions at the front now because I don't care what you think about me. I do it because I enjoy being free before God and I enjoy saying to God, God, actually, do you know what? Even my pride is yours. I'm not saying you have to do it, but that's where it comes from. I, I, I get sad sometimes in church where it's like, like this because you can see the pressure of the world on you guys. Like, isn't it boring when you're just compressed in? Like, like I want there to be a freedom. This is not our, our planet. This is not where our home is we have a home to come like we're meant to seek the good of this place we're not meant to hate it we're meant to you know as exiles seek the good of the city you're in but do not become comfortable here don't run after the things the world says to run after don't think that they'll give you security or 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 purpose they won't this is not your home that's what one peter says and that's why sometimes, it, have you ever been on a foreign holiday where you've done a bit of a faux pas, you've said the wrong word, or you don't know how the queuing system works? Like, and it's just like, oh my goodness. Like, uh, when I was in Switzerland a couple of weeks ago, I kept using all my German. And then one of the ladies was like, uh, this is not the German we speak here in Switzerland. Uh, you sound very odd. <laughs> we, we appreciate the effort, but maybe just speak English from now on. Like, is literally what she said. And I was like, ooh, it was like secondary school. But, but this is not my home. Like, like, as Christians, we should be looking to stand out a bit and to speak up against some of the stuff that the world kind of runs after because it's just not healthy and good, you know, and, and to celebrate what's good in the world because it's not all evil. But, but this is not our home. Does that make sense? Kind of with that. Has someone got one one seventeen? Yeah, nice and loud. Live out your time as foreigners in fear and reverence, right? Not to the world, but, but to God who loves you and knows you. It's so freeing. Uh, this is not your home. Um, secondly, this is not peacetime. I meet so many Christians who are like, where's God? Things are going wrong and tough. And some of those things are, are significant and massive. But 1 Peter tells us we're living in a time where we're waiting for our Savior to come. We're, we're waiting and we're trusting that everything he said is true. And that's hard sometimes. But we're waiting. And the Bible was honest about this time. It said that brothers would stand against brothers and there'd be wars and conflicts and all kinds of stuff. But this is not peacetime. Could someone just read 1 Peter 2, uh, uh, yeah, 1 Peter 1, 2, 11. So 1 Peter 1, uh, chapter 2, verse 11. Could someone read? 
which wage war against your soul. There's this roaring enemy uh, going around and, and that sin is waging war against us. This is not peacetime. Be alert, be active. Could someone read 1 Peter 1, 5, 8? This is not peacetime. Are you, are you with that? And in that silly discussion at the start where we're like, well, I do this and I do this and I do this, let's do it. Let's take it seriously. But not as a defeated party, you know. In that story at the end, all the lions eat each other, they get defeated. And then we can emerge, you know, now, you know, top predator, apex predators. But, um, but yeah, this is not peacetime, so take it seriously. And, and when things go wrong, there's comfort in that. 1 Peter is a brilliant book at saying, yes, you're suffering, and God sees it, and he cares. And, and Jesus suffered, and God loved him perfectly. And if Jesus suffers and is loved perfectly by God, your suffering doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. And, and you might know Jesus in a really special, unique way that others can't do when they haven't been through suffering. And that one day suffering will be ended fully. But, but just know that God's with you now and set an example. And so suffering is not failure. Could someone just read 1 Peter 1, 4, 12, 17 for us? It's a slightly longer one. Just listen to these words. I'm not going to say anything else to this. I love this. Could someone just read this? I want to make it really clear. The gospel of God is that God is inviting you to come to him. And that simply just reach out your hand and say, God, I need you. And God will rush in. That's the good news of the gospel. And it changes everything. It's, this is not a hard thing to, to gain or, or, or kind of um, to win. Jesus won it for you. But I love those words. Suffering is not failure. It's a glory. It's a blessing. It doesn't feel like it sometimes. Can I also just say, I love this, that it has this list of like murderers, thieves. And it goes, or even as a meddler. Like, uh, I've never been in a church where there aren't meddlers. Uh, like that is something which I think is is especially, and I, I like to think that Peter was writing this, and he was like murderers, criminals, thieves, and then he thought they went, and also some of you meddlers. Like, like I think that the challenge is is that suffering for being a Christian doesn't mean that we cause suffering to other Christians. Like suffering for being a Christian means that we're living in such a way as one Peter has talked about all the time that that it says even though they persecute, they praise God on the on the time he emerges. Like I want us to take it seriously. And lastly, this is not the end. Could someone just read 1 Peter 1, uh, 5, 4? When the chief shepherd appears, we'll receive a crown of glory that will never fade or, or, or go away. This is what we're trusting God for. It's the only promise of Jesus that hasn't quite happened yet. Every other promise has come true. Uh, we're waiting. That's tough sometimes, but, but we, we sense it, don't we, in our hearts. This is not the end. Could someone just read uh, 1 Peter 1, 5, 10 and 11? This is good, isn't it? This is good stuff, right? And I know that we're tired and our, and our culture makes us tired and our world makes us tired and suffering makes us tired and, and sometimes the, the challenge of life makes us tired. But I want to encourage you, this is what 1 Peter says to us. Really, really quickly, as, as I finish, next slide, Dan, just really quickly. Um, I want us, um, uh, go to the next one. Um, I want us to get to a point where we as a church, we would just say it's just Jesus. It's just Jesus that sets our identity, who he says we are, what he says about us. If someone said, who are you? So I'm a child of God. Child of God, co-ambassador with Christ. It's just Jesus who sets my identity. That's so freeing. So freeing. Like, secondly, I want us to have, what's your hope? What do you hope for for the world? It's just Jesus. It's just Jesus. When I stand before God, why should I let you in? Just Jesus. It's Jesus that's done it for me. I want us to love Jesus that much that, that he becomes the big thing. I want your confidence to be in just Jesus, your priorities to be just Jesus, your example to be following what just Jesus did, your joy to be in just Jesus, your purpose to be in just what Jesus told you to do. I want it to be just Jesus.
A difficult question linked to the lion thing. Imagine you lost everything and you just had Jesus. Would that be enough? And the human answer would be no. I I think even me, I'm like, that would be a, a huge loss. But if that's not the Jesus we love, then it's not Jesus we're following. He needs to be enough. And so big that we say, do you know what? Even my heart would be breaking. That would be enough. That would be enough. Are you kind of with me? And that's hard. You can't sort of manufacture that up. It's about time with him. It's about a relationship of prayer with him. It's the spirit moving in us. It's, it's finding others to, to speak his words to us when we can't hear him. It's taking it seriously. But I want it to be just Jesus. Are you kind of with that? I want us to take this kind of stuff really, really serious. And it is possible, uh, Dan, if you just put up the next one. There's a letter here that I'm going to read. Uh, this is from a missionary who worked for the Southern Baptist Missionary uh, Society. She went to Iraq uh, in 2003, and uh, she was killed uh, with some other missionaries in 2004. This is a letter that she wrote. I'm going to read it for you. Um, this is what she wrote. Uh, Dear Pastor Phil and Pastor Roger, you should only be opening this letter in the event of my death. When God calls, there are no regrets. I tried to share my heart with you as much as possible, my heart for the nations. I wasn't called to a place. I was called to him. To obey was my objective. To suffer was expected. His glory, my reward. His glory, my reward. One of the most important things to remember right now is to preserve the work. I'm writing this as if I'm still working with my people group. I thank you all so much for your prayers and support. Surely your reward in heaven will be great. Thank you for investing in my life and spiritual well-being. Keep sending missionaries out. Keep raising up fine young pastors. In regards to any service, this is her funeral service, keep it small and simple. Yes, simply just preach the gospel. Be bold and preach the life-saving, life-changing, forever eternal gospel. Give glory and honour to our Father. The missionary heart is that we care more than some think is wise. We risk more than some think is safe. We dream more than something is practical. We expect more than something is possible. I was called not to comfort or success, but to obedience. There is no joy outside of knowing Jesus and serving him. I love you too and my church family. In his care, Salam, Karen. It's powerful, isn't it? And you don't need to go abroad and do this stuff. Like, it is possible. Like, uh, it's possible for us to say, I take this seriously. I take seriously that there is an enemy, but I take seriously that my God is bigger and stronger and has won the battle. I want to challenge those of you who are thinking about, should I do God or not? He is jealous and wants you in his life and in his heart. Like, he's patient, but take it serious. Take it seriously with your kids at home. Read the Bible together. Read stories together. Show them confession. Show them success. Show them you doing it. With your friends, be bold. Offer to pray. Like, I believe that, that gone is the time of big festivals, that what will transform our world now will be authentic, small, genuine, loving friendships. The way it was meant to be at the start. That makes sense? And so I want to encourage us as we come to the end of this book, that this is a life that, that to live is Christ, to die is gain.